This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Michelle, who is a fly-in, fly-out partner, a mum of two kids and a doula. She lives in WA, which is also where she found her intended parents. Michelle decided to become a surrogate because she enjoyed pregnancy and birth so much. But as you'll hear, the uh, post-birth period was quite a challenge. I'm going to hand over now to Michelle. My name is Michelle. I'm a wife and mother of two and a doula here in Perth. Um, and I also gave, ba- uh, gave birth to a baby Jack for his parents, Kate and Chris, in March of 2019. So, Michelle, how did you come to become a surrogate? Where did that come from? So I had um, two great pregnancies and births, um, and I had my pigeon pair. And I figured, you know, I loved giving birth and being pregnant. So I had a chat to my husband and was like, you know, I could do this again for somebody else. Um, and so, yeah, I started researching how a surrogacy in Australia and how to become a surrogate. Um, and yeah, that was uh, in 2016. Um, my son was about a, a year old then. And um, yeah, so I joined all the Facebook groups um, and I put myself out there because I didn't know anybody personally who needed a surrogate. So yeah, I started looking online um, and I learned a lot through the Facebook groups um, and I met with a couple intended parents after I put myself out there, um, but it wasn't until about seven months into my journey that I decided to attend a, a seminar, a Families Through Surrogacy seminar here in Perth. Um, and yeah, so that's where I met, met Kate and Chris. Um, I was by myself. My husband was working away. Um, and yeah, I was really nervous because this was the first time I had gone to anything surrogacy related. Um, and yeah, so I happened to sit next to them and straight away we hit it off and yeah, from there, they haven't been able to get rid of me. Um, we've been good friends ever since. And we met a few times after that seminar, um, at more surrogacy catch-ups. Um, and yeah, so I, uh, wanted them to meet my husband and my kids so a few months after the, our first meeting, they met, everybody met and I knew that I wanted to carry for them. So I offered to carry for them and yeah, the rest is history. So a couple of things. One of them is that I know that your husband is fly in, fly out. So he's part-time in town and part-time out of town. Was that a particular challenge for you thinking I'm going to be a surrogate and he's not going to be around for some of the pregnancy at least? Yeah. So with my two pregnancies, he was working in Perth. So this would have been my first pregnancy, him working away. And that was quite a big thing for me because I wasn't sure how I would cope with two kids um, and him away. Um, but yeah, it didn't deter me. I knew that we had a strong support system and Kate and Chris were, you know, very supportive from the very beginning and said, if I ever needed anything, they would be right there. So yeah, we sort of decided to take it day by day and see how it went. Um, and luckily, yeah, he's, it wasn't too hard on me or the kids or Cancris um, because, yeah, I've had pretty smooth and easy pregnancies. So I got lucky. Um, mm. And then, yeah, yeah. after I was actually pregnant, um, there was only a short while where I was sick and it just so happened that the timing worked out and Trent was home for about a month and that just sort of coincided with when I was unwell and he yeah, picked up the slack with our own kids. Great. So with regards to Kate and Chris, they were obviously the first people that you met. Did you go into surrogacy thinking you had particular criteria for intended parents you might carry for? 
Yeah, so I definitely wanted um, a local couple. Um, obviously, WA surrogates can't carry for same-sex couples, so yeah, I, that that decision was made for me in regards to you know same-sex or heterosexual couples. Um, and yeah, really, I just wanted a, a local couple um, and to be a gestational carrier. That was really my only criteria. And, and why did Kate and Chris need a surrogate? Um, Kate was born without a uterus, um, so she found out while she was quite young, I think about 17, um, that she couldn't have kids. With regards to the process, how did you find that? Was it fairly smooth and easy given that Trent was working away? Yeah, I think uh, it took a bit longer for us, um, obviously, because Trent was working away and we had to work work around his schedule. Um, So it took about a year for us to get through all of the counselling, the psych and the legals. Um, but I think it worked out well that way because we spent that time getting to know each other and really building that relationship. So, yeah, we didn't want to rush it and, yeah, it all seemed to work out. And it was pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, we didn't, there was nothing too crazy in the, those parts. Um, you know, the, the psych evaluation with the 300 million questions um, it was pretty funny, but, yeah, not yeah. too bad. And then uh, the embryo transfers, how many did you have to have? So we had three embryo transfers um, and we, uh, Kate did two egg pickups as well. So, yeah, that's quite challenging for us or for me mainly because um, I naively thought that I would get pregnant easily given my two were conceived really easily. So, yeah, that was a big wake-up call to me that, um, you know, IVF is a whole different ball ballgame. Um, and, yeah, so I struggled for a little bit there because, you know, we had a quite a smooth run up to that and then, it sort of felt like I was letting the team down. Um, but obviously, Kate and Chris are super supportive and, you know, didn't put any pressure on me. It was all, you know, me in my, in my head. Um, but, yeah, so luckily on the third go, it took. And that's now Jack. Mm. So talk to me about the pregnancy. What was that like? Pretty smooth, like my rest, like the other two. Um, the, during the first trimester, I was a bit sick with um, nausea um, but it wasn't as bad as my, my son's pregnancy. So, yeah, sort of prepared for it. Um, and luckily, like I said, luckily Trent was home um, for about a month during that time. So he was able to step in and pick up the slack with my kids. Um, so, yeah, I got to rest quite a bit. And, yeah, luckily it passed by, I think, 14 weeks. So, yeah, and then after that it was really smooth. Um, it's definitely very different being pregnant and not having to worry about you know getting car seats or buying nappies and things like that so it was pretty cool to enjoy the pregnancy you know in its entirety and feel him move around and all that but not worry about you know the late nights the diaper changing all that kind of stuff so it was pretty cool and um yeah my kids were in school as well this year so I got to relax a bit more and put my feet up and yeah um, I think I was expecting it to get to a point and be like I need help now Kate and Chris can you help but it never really got to that um uh, yeah I was super lucky and was able to enjoy it um and yeah I never I never got to that stage where I was over the pregnancy either um because he came at 37 weeks so it was quite interesting Mm, so I want to go back a little bit how did your kids go with the surrogacy what did they think of it all um, so they met Kate and Chris quite young. Um, like I said, I think Isaac was about one and a half um, and Leilani would have been three. Um, so, yeah, they were still quite young and it was such an open conversation between them um, about the surrogacy. So to them, I think it was just normal. 
they never really showed any or too much interest in it. It was just sort of like, yeah, you're pregnant. It's Kate Chris's baby. Cool. And off they went. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't a big deal or anything. It was just, yeah, normal to them. Mm. Um, so then, of course, the birth happened. And you said it was like 37 weeks. Was that early for you? Yeah. Um, Leilani was born at 39 weeks, Isaac at 38 weeks, and then Jack at 37 weeks. So, oh, wow. yeah, it seemed to get, get, uh, get earlier each time. Um, but I always thought that he would – so my birthday was on the 25th of March and I had it in my head that he would come on my birthday. Um, so it was just a few days off. He was about four days earlier than that. So, yeah, I was kind of caught off, caught off guard, but, yeah, around the time that I knew he'd come. So. Mm. And you had planned a home birth. I want to talk to you about that because mm. uh, some surrogates will come to surrogacy thinking I'd like a home birth or I have particular ideas about what the birth is going to look like. Uh, and the intended parents who may never have experienced anything of birth might have different ideas. How did you approach the idea of home birth with Kate and Chris? So after I had my two um, great births, I, I always thought if I was to have another one, it would be a home birth. Um, so that was always in my mind. And then when I came to surrogacy, I knew that I definitely wanted a home birth because I was worried about space issues and, you know, being comfortable around, you know, people that I'm not usually intimate with. Um, so, yeah, that was always from the beginning I said that. And I think one of our first meetings with Kane Chris, I said up front that I wanted a home birth. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was just they knew that and they were supportive of that. Um, and so, yeah, we from the very beginning, we planned a home birth. Did they have any reservations or did they ever say we have to research that or we're not so sure about it? Um, they were, you know, they trusted me in, they knew that I knew my body and that I've birthed children and they haven't. So, yeah, they really, as long as, you know, I was safe and baby was safe and that was their main concern was, you know, the well-being of me and baby. So that was the only really reservation. Um, but other than that, they were super, super, super supportive. Mm. So as it happened, you didn't have a home birth. What happened with, with everything around the birth? Yeah, so we had a pretty uncomplicated um, pregnancy. Uh, only around um, 20 weeks, they found my placenta was a bit low-lying. But luckily, it moved out of the way. And then that was the only real issue through the pregnancy until we got to about 37 weeks. The day before Jack was born, um, I started bleeding in the morning. Early morning, I woke up um, and I was bleeding and so I went to the hospital to get checked out. They couldn't figure out why I was bleeding, um, but in, they did an ultrasound and found that he wasn't, his stomach wasn't growing as it should be. Um, and so they were reluctant to sign off on the home birth um, and asked us to come back for some testing, more testing, um, CTG scans and ultrasounds, just to make sure everything was okay before they could um, sign off on the home birth. But lo and behold, he ended up, I ended up going to labour that day. Um, and so, yeah, I had to go to the hospital because they hadn't signed up on the home birth. So, yeah, that's how we ended up there. But um, luckily we did because, yeah, we ended up, I ended up um, hemorrhaging after the birth and needed to go into theatre and be in ICU. Yeah, that's pretty intense. So was the birth, given that it wasn't at home, was it everything else that you imagined it would be? Yeah, um, it was an amazing birth. Um, there was a few points during my labour where I was quite upset, um, you know, because I had the whole space, my home birth space set up and everything ready to go and I hadn't planned a home birth at all. I think it was just that loss of, I'm sorry, a hospital birth at all. 
Um, so I think it was the, that loss of control that was um, really just the issue. I think if I had planned a hospital birth, I would have been, you know, absolutely fine. But um, there was a point in, in the labour where I was just like, oh, my goodness, I haven't even packed a bag. Um, you know, everything was just rushing around and I was losing my mind a bit. But, yeah, it ended up being great. Um, my main issue was that I was worried um, they wouldn't let everyone into the hospital room because there was quite a few of us. There was obviously me, Trent, um, Kate, Chris, our doula and photographer. And so I was really worried that they asked somebody to leave um, and I wanted everybody there. So, and also I was worried that they would um, have issues with Kate staying with baby in the hospital um, overnight and things like that. But they were super accommodating, um, especially for being last minute. And um, yeah, so I still used some of my, you know, techniques, my hypnobirthing techniques and um, my TENS and relaxation methods and all that kind of stuff um, in the hospital. And, you know, my doula and photographer and Kate did such a good job of bringing some of my, you know, I had fairy lights and birth affirmations and they brought a few of those to the hospitals to, to make it a bit more comfortable for me. So, yeah, it ended up being a great birth, um, quite incredible. And, um, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better situation you know, given that it didn't work out the way that I wanted it. Um, so, yeah, I'm still happy with how it went. Mm. And the handover. Now, we've, I've seen all the photos of this, the handover of you handing Kate her little boy and seeing her become a mum. What was that like? Um, it's so like, indescribable because, you know, that was such a big moment, you know, that, that like, we, we, you know, we waited so long for it, you know, over almost two years. Um, and it also felt kind of funny because, you know, obviously like you imagine it and then it was just in that moment, I was like, oh my God, it's actually here. And then it was, I had this awkward moment of being like, here's your baby. Like it's such a, you don't know what to say. Um, and I handed him to her and then she, when she said, hi, I'm your mummy, I completely lost it. And I was like, oh my God, this is just, you know, I couldn't have asked for anything better. That was, you know, exactly what I wanted. And it was just such a, a beautiful moment. Um, Mm, yeah, I've just got goosebumps. It's yeah. And anyone Every listening, I, I think, should really check out all the photos that are on your Instagram account. Um, yeah. Do you want to just say, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, Michelle Griffin Dula. Great. So they can go and see all the beautiful and amazing photos because I'm, oh, I'm all goosebumpy now. So <laughs> then, of course, the, the post-birth wasn't what you'd hoped for, I guess. What happened with that? Yeah, so... Um, Right after I'd handed Kate um, Jack, I, my midwife had noticed that I was bleeding quite a bit um, and my placenta hadn't come away yet. So um, I was put on the bed and then um, trying to get the placenta out and obviously it wouldn't come out. So they, it all went into panic mode um, after a while. I think it was about an hour after his birth when they realised that things weren't going the way that it should be. Um, and so they decided to take me to theatre to manually manually remove my placenta um and yeah so I was put under a general anesthetic and um went through this surgery um and during that I lost quite a bit of blood um so I had lost quite a bit of blood beforehand but then after they had removed the placenta I lost a bit more so all up had lost I think 2.5 liters of blood um and then needed four bags of blood transfused um so yeah I ended up in ICU for two days and I had issues with my blood pressure too. So I was put on medication to get my blood pressure up. Um, and yeah, so that was quite difficult. Um, I had missed 
uh, seeing, you know, their first feed and all of that. So um, that was a big thing for me. But, yeah, it was just, for me, I was sort of just woke up the next day being like, what happened? The birth was so great. Then all of a sudden I woke up here. What, yeah, it just, I was sort of obviously oblivious to it all. Um, but it was quite hard on my husband. Did it take a long time for you to process that and for Trent to recover from having seen you so unwell? Yeah, I think even now, I think it's still a bit, to me, I'm like, it just, I felt even after I come out of the surgery and I've woken up the next day, I was ready to get up and go and see Kate, Chris and Jack. Um, but I just kept having, you know, nurses and doctors come in and be like, no, you're quite unwell. You need to stay here. Um, so it was quite bizarre, you know, feeling okay, but them telling me that I was not. And Trent has said that it was quite traumatic for him um, because, you know, there was one point where I was still sedated um, after the surgery in an ICU and they had told him to come down and see me and he thought that I would, would have been awake. Um, but, yeah, he went down there and I was, you know, on the bed, knocked out with tubes all coming out of me. And so that was quite traumatic for him. Um, so, yeah, for me, like, I was uh, oblivious to it all. So I didn't realise how bad it was. Um, and so I think that's, yeah, like, harder for me to understand where he's coming from because I felt fine. And, yeah, to him, obviously, I looked sick. And, and yeah, so it's been a bit harder for him to process. But I think he's doing well now, um, yeah, especially because I came back to myself a lot easier. I think if it was one of our own, and um, we had to look after a baby during that, it would have been a lot harder. So I was mm. able to recover a bit quickly. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this and talking to other people about it, about the risks that we take as surrogates. And we generally know the sort of risks that pregnancy and birth bring with them. Um, and I guess there's some curiosity about why we would take those risks to give somebody else a baby. So having been through all of that and knowing that you came out of it with those huge risks actually coming out to play, would you do it all again? Um, I would have loved to, as in, if I had known things would have turned out the way that it was, um, you know, obviously I would have prepared for it a bit more um, and it wouldn't have deterred me away from it, um, you know, because we, like, we couldn't have predicted this would happen and, yeah, it's just, it's, you can't go through life thinking, well, what if this happens? I'm not going to do this because this might happen, you know. So, yeah, I think the reward of giving Kate and Chris their baby far outweighs that little stay, you know, in ICU for me anyway. Um, I, I think Trent might, might say a bit differently, but um, yeah. So I, in my mind, I've been struggling a bit um, because I would have loved to have done this again. Um, but obviously Trent has said, no, that was too scary. I don't want to go through it again. Um, so yeah, that's been a bit of an issue with us at the moment. Um, it, it was such a great experience that the reward far away is what happened. So when you were released from ICU, you got to spend some time with Kate and um, Chris and baby. And how's everything going with that? Yeah, so right after the birth, um, oh, right after I got out of ICU, they put me into a room um, right next to Kate and Chris and Jack. So, yeah, um, and then we were just discharged that same day. So um, we all went home and I was pumping quite regularly for them and donating. So we saw each other those first few weeks, at least twice a week, um, and then, you know, maybe once a week after that. Um, and now even still we see each other quite regularly. We're 13 weeks out now. Um, Jack will be three months on um, Friday. So, yeah, um, we still see each other once 
a week or once every other week. So, yeah, I think that really helped um, with us just to sort of, you know, transition into the next phase of this mm. journey. So, yeah. And what's really interesting about your journey is that you've been expressing milk since, it, despite everything that happened in hospital, you're expressing not just for Jack, but for a whole bunch of other babies. Do you want to talk a bit, a bit about that? What made you think I'll express a lot of milk? Yeah, so um, with my two, I breastfed both my kids um, for, I think, 10 months. Um, and I hated pumping for those two. Um, and I never got anything out of them. Um, when I was breastfeeding them. So I sort of went into this being like, if I can pump, that'll be awesome. If I can't, I'm not going to put any pressure on it. You know, whatever happens, whatever. And Kate and Chris were super supportive of that too. And they said, you know, whatever you are willing to give us, we're happy to take, but we're also happy to formula feed. So there was no pressure. And so, um, but I figured if I could, why not? I didn't want to really let it go to waste. Um, so yeah, after he was born, I just started doing it three hourly. Um, and yeah, luckily enough, I was able to get a good supply going. And um, yeah, the first few weeks I was um, pumping exclusively for Jack um, and their freezer got stocked up really, really quickly. Um, and I was still going. So I decided to um, look on my you know, local human milk for human, human babies Facebook group. Um, and so I found a couple of women on there who needed some milk. So I get, donated a few litres to them. And then I had a girlfriend who had um, a baby just after Jack was born as well. So she needed a bit of a top-up as well. So I was regularly donating to her, Jack, and um, one of the mums that I met on the Facebook group. And then, yeah, I looked into the King Edward Memorial Hospital. Um, they have a prem milk bank. Um, and so I looked into that and they were happy to take some of my milk too. So, yeah, so far I've donated to, I think, seven different babies um, and as well as uh, the hospital. And, yeah, like I've been super lucky. It hasn't been too stressful on me um, and I've got a good routine going. Um, luckily, I haven't had any issues with engorgement. Um, I was worried about that because I didn't want to pump during the night. I wanted to have my sleep. Um, so I was worried that having that big, you know, eight-hour stretch or whatever it is, at night would, you know, cause issues, um, with engorgement or whatever. But luckily it seems to have worked out and I don't have anything, you know, too bad. When I wake up in the morning, they're a bit full, but other than that, it's not painful or anything. Um, and yeah, so with my kids in school now as well, it's easy just to um, have my day revolve around pumping times. Um, it doesn't bother me too much. And yeah. That's amazing. It's pretty incredible that you can provide milk, not just for Saribub, but all these other babies, including Premi babies. Do you know how long you might keep expressing for? Yeah, so I wasn't, uh, I didn't think I would make it this far, um, you know, anyway, but we're going to overseas in August. Um, and so I figured that's probably my limit. I don't want to keep expressing while overseas and, you know, doing all that stuff. So, yeah, next month I'm going to have to start weaning off, which is a bit sad because, you know, it's been amazing. I've, I've really enjoyed this pumping journey, which I didn't think I would, especially not enjoying it with my two. So, yeah, that'll be another interesting experience, trying to wean off without being too engorged. Mm. If you were giving advice to a woman who was thinking about becoming a surrogate, what would you say to her? Um, I'd say do it. <laughs> um, it was such an amazing experience. Um, I think it's important to take your time um, and do a lot of research and um, get to know the community um, and the ins and outs and um, 
when you do meet that couple, don't ignore the red flags, you know, and communication is everything. Um, building that relationship, you can't really put a time limit on things as well. Um, you know, all up, it took me three years to go through this journey. So, yeah, I think you can't rush it. Patience, 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 patience. Um, there was a point in my journey where I thought it never happened, um, but it does. And, yeah, I think it's such an amazing experience. I think, uh, you know, if you can, why not? From the very beginning, I knew that I wanted to share as much as I could um, about our journey um, and to be quite public about it. So, yeah, we've done a lot um, of media stuff. You know, we've done a bit of TV and um, through my social media um, and we've got a magazine article coming out soon as well. So, yeah, I wanted to be quite public um, in hopes of, um, you know, educating just general people about surrogacy in Australia Um as I know, it's still quite a taboo subject and people still think it's illegal and all that. So, yeah, I wanted to educate um, as well as give hope to future IPs um, that it is possible to have a baby through surrogacy here in Australia, um, as well as to inspire or um, get other women to think about becoming a um, surrogate as well. So there's always been my intention to share as much as I can. Um, and I'm glad that Kate and Chris and Trent were all on board with that um, and they've been super supportive and um, yeah, so we've done quite a bit um, and, you know, I've got a little bit of backlash, uh, nothing too crazy, uh, you know, just a few internet trolls, um, but 98, 98% of the time it's been absolutely incredibly supportive comments and um, yeah, it's been a re really well received and I'm so happy um, and I'm glad that I could um, share it so widely and um, I'm amazed at how far our story has reached. Um, just today somebody sent me um, an article from a Malaysian newspaper. Um, it's incredible. So yeah, that was, it's been amazing to be able to share um, the journey and go through and connect with so many people. Um, and, you know, I've connected with a few women as well who have been inspired by the story. So I'm so glad that I did that. Um, and that was such a huge part for me. So yeah, and uh, um, back when I started, it wasn't really, there was quite a, a lack of information um, out there. You know, you really had to go digging for it. So I'm glad that I could, you know, redirect, you know, at least a few people to in the your handbooks there and, um, you know, the ASC page and all that um, and the families through surrogacy seminars and stuff. So I'm glad I could help um, in any little way possible um, because I know, you know, I can only give so many babies um to intended parents so I'm glad that I could help others by sharing the story so yeah thank you for listening to the Australian surrogacy podcast if you would like to find out more information about surrogacy you can have a look at my website at sarahjefford.com you can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram and you can listen to more podcasts on the website or on Apple podcasts